sweet hookah. Wow. That thing is sick. I'd love to, I'd love this. One day I want to be in a, not, a, I just like to see in a place, you know, in the Middle East where they use, oh, where it's a part I'll of I'll tell you all about it. It's, uh, it's pretty sweet. We can talk about that here. You ready? Let's do it. <laughs> Straight to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Welcome to Permit to Think. Meaningful stories and conversations from the fringe of societal norms. I am your host, Mike Dawes. As a professional fisherman and host, I've spent the last 25 years traveling the far and near reaches of the world. In the beginning, the goal was untouched adventures and wild fish. But I've come to realize the people I have met along the way and their stories have played a pivotal role in seeking what I'm truly after, a quiet mind and time to think. This ride is too short, so I'm gonna start exploring the narratives of the people that have brought me here. I have been told that audio has no rules, so it seems like a good platform for someone who grew up breaking them all. Let's go. Our guest today is Justin Hayes. Justin grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and moved to Jackson, Wyoming in 1987. He then went off to attend the University of Wisconsin and moved back to the area afterwards and has been here ever since. Justin is currently the general manager at the Lodge at Palisades Creek, an Orvis-endorsed fishing lodge located on the banks of the famous South Fork of the Snake River that opened in 1990. Justin started guiding for the Lodge of Palisades Creek shortly thereafter in 1998 and eventually took over as the GM in 2010. Justin has worked in the hospitality business his entire life. That experience, combined with his guiding, was the perfect cocktail for Justin to take the reins at the lodge. Shortly thereafter, he and the staff brought another award to the lodge at Palisades Creek the Orvis-endorsed Lodge of the Year for the second time, as well as two other nominations. Justin and I currently sit on the board of the South Fork Initiative together, an initiative of the Henry's Fork Foundation that brings their science-based collaboration for healthy fisheries to the South Fork of the Snake. We both had a hand in bringing the initiative to its fruition, which is cool to look back on now. Justin radiates positivity and has a unique ability to collaborate with all who come across his path. Maybe a trait from many years in the hospitality business. I am not sure, but I will try to find out. For over a decade, Justin and I were essentially competitors in the fishing industry. But the funny thing is, I never really looked at it that way. It always felt like more of a collaboration, which is very cool. I always left my interactions with Justin making a note to myself that I need to make some time to sit down and catch up with him, and then life would get in the way. Not today. Justin currently lives in Victor, Idaho, with his wife, Jen, his son, Milo, and daughter, Daisy. Without further ado, please welcome Justin to the show. Justin, what's up, man? Mike. It's great to be here. Thank you. Oh, uh, thanks for coming, man. Beyond flattered that you'd consider. Oh, dude, I, I uh, it, like I said in, in the right in the intro, it's been 
This is long overdue. This is my 13th year managing a lodge. That's kind of when, you know, you and Worldcast came into my radar and my sphere. Brother, the feelings are 100% mutual. I've always felt the exact, like, you guys were not the competition. If anything, I was trying to watch you guys and figure (laughs) out how the hell you did it. And we would try to do something the same. Yeah. Well, I also, I also actually, in writing like the notes of the show, I remember when someone was like, Justin just, it was like kind of outside of my office. And they were like, Justin just, I was like, Justin did what? And they were like, Justin's the man, the general manager at Lodge of Palisades Creek. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, I was like, he's going to do a really good job. Well, it's been a learning experience for sure. I don't know. I mean, at that time in my life, remember 2010 was basically yeah. the bottom of the, the shit last pile. Yeah, it was a shit pile. <laughs> Crisis central. Um, I didn't, I had no idea about housekeeping skill. I had no, I was a restaurant guy. I had no idea about fly shop and retail, about running an outfitting business. I knew I could feed them. Well, yeah. I knew I could hire for that position well and structure the, the restaurant and therefore structure box lunches for our, for, for our crew. But at, uh, most of that, I had a year, my predecessor, so he guys, I got a guy by the name of Stan Klassen. Yes. You remember that name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stan was highly revered in this community here in Jackson Hole. He was part of his church and he led the choir. Stan was a travel agent for Orvis. Stan taught... Hundreds and hundreds of kids how to swim in this community as children. He and he was based in Jackson, and then would go back and forth. He lived in Jackson because I remember I saw him down at the lodge, but I don't remember. Well, he was yeah right. He was at the uh, Firehole Ranch for a couple years prior to his starting, which would have been around ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, the uh, he he managed the Firehole Ranch for. There was a short window of a couple, three years when Skip Brittenham, Marshall Geller, and a guy by the name of Dale Kinsella, a Hollywood attorney. Yeah. The three of these guys owned the fire hole for a little bit, and then they weren't into it, and then they bought the, the, uh, the Lodge of Palisades Creek. And, and the, other guy, the other guys are still involved? Or? Marshall's the only one. He's okay. kind of, Skip's dropped out. But long, Skip long still has ago. a place here, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's been, he was long gone before I was there. And then, and then Marshall is the current owner and has, was one of the original owners. Um, and Dale Kinsella has been, he's moved along and Marshall's a sole guy. Was it a lodge before, uh, I mean, we're going to kind of go all over the place here, but was it a lodge before, um, 1990? No, it's no. just a house. Okay. It was a, it was a cafe mm-hmm. with a, um, with an RV park, an old dilapidated RV park, Jones's Cafe. Huh. And I guess Bob Jones was a big, huge dude, smoked ciggies, <laughs> sat on a classic greasy spoon guy. And he, if you were local, your breakfast were free. And if you're a tourist, he charged you. Um, kind of potty mouthed, you know. Uh, that RV park also had an outfitter in the parking lot in a little shed, a mm-hmm. guy by the, by the name of Lyle Pyram. Hmm. Also known as Uli. Yeah. Uli was the outfitter there. And Marshall bought Uli's permit. And the three guys bought Uli's permit. And they bought the 22 acres. And they took off all the old mobile homes that were dilapidated. It was left over from the 
building the dam. No way. Way. In fact... So we're, we're talking about the South Fork of the Snake. We are. We're talking about there's only always only been, right, eight outfitting permits. That's correct. Um, and the Lodge of Palisades Creek is right on the upper section of the river. Just just giving some background for the listeners. So. Good call. Good call. Yep. Yep. Orvis endorsed, um, I think in 06, we started that one of the first lodges. Um um, but it was, it was, so when they built, cause that's the, I mean, again, I haven't, I haven't seen this in writing, but mm-hmm. the largest earthen dam. I haven't seen that either, but I would, I would, I've said it for like <laughs> <laughs> one of those boat, little history folks. This I did, I did look up like the large back in the day, like the largest bald eagle breeding habitat. That is true. Yeah. 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 In the lower 48. But right. I think, I think it is. I mean, if, well, whatever. If it's not, at least we there's our footnote. But sure, sure. Largest earthen dam in the country, as far as I know. I think that would be right, and that's probably why there was a. Remember, after nine eleven, they had a police officer in a car for a little over a year at the base of that dam, because if if it was breached anyway, it's game over. You even had a small little trickle, a little you know van full of explosives on the top of that thing, and pop, it went off. And the dam was full. Yeah. Once that breach starts, it's it's game over. Like the Teton Dam happened. Remember? Season yeah. Season. Oh, that's uh, that's exactly what. So um, apparently, and I have I've been meaning to do this, but I haven't. But like where before we moved to Wyoming, when where I you know kind of across from Teton Springs, in the no. <laughs> No golf vista estates yeah, like yeah, yeah. the on where on the corner where BB lives. Yeah, um, next to Tress Allen. Yeah, yeah, that um, the guy lives on that corner, and he apparently was on top of the dam when it broke. And I've been meaning to like stop by and be like, and just ask the question. Wilson Hume, does that sound like the name? It could be. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, you're right. I remember this hearing this. You're right. Yeah. He was on a tractor. Yeah, and if if uh, if anyone hasn't seen that, just look look up the Teton Dam break on YouTube. Yep, nineteen seventy six, I think. Seventy four, seventy six. Seventy four. I right. think you're right. Yeah, one of those two. It is. It's a, an incredible thing to see. Yeah. In the aftermath, when Rexburg was all flooded. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You know, when they're all they're floating down the. I mean, because there was the cattle. I mean, there was. There was some human casualties as well. I believe you're right. Yeah, but, yeah it's kind of wild to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, what was funny is Jen was Jen was just getting ready to my Jen uh-huh. <laughs> was just getting ready to leave, and she's like, "Who's coming in today?" It's kind of a cool aspect of this thing because I'll be like, "I got a show. Make sure the kids don't go fucking crazy." <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Justin Hayes," and she's like, "You should ask him if he remembers when we had to do the little circle introduction." At the community. <laughs> I was like, what happened? And she's like, it was just about to be his turn. And I was like, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you use a British accent. <laughs> she said that you lost it. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you remember that. that. I do remember She said that. I was gone, but... Um, yeah. Anyhow, that was kind of a funny... She was dying laughing when she was just telling me that. It was one of those moments, you alluded to it a couple times in our comments... Where I had a chance to make an impression, you know, here's my first <laughs> shot, and I got 40 people in front of me, 
Try to hit this one on the park so <laughs> you know they can talk to you and don't think you're some yeah, weirdo. New, new parent. New parent. Yeah. We're all in there being new parents. Awkward for everybody in their first stages of, you know, parent, yeah, bring the kids to school. What's my, and all the stuff that comes along with it. So I figured I'd lighten the mood up there a little bit. Try to, try to crack a little of that stale uh, air in there. That's great. And I, I wanted to run something by you because this just happened to me. Um, and I've been, I've been asking, this is, has nothing to do with the interview. We'll get right back to it. But sure, sure. I've been asking people and I'm getting completely different answers. So, I was down in the Keys selling a vehicle, okay? Uh-huh. Guy showed, it was, it was pretty random. Guy flies down with a, with a backpack of cash, pays me, leaves. A lot of questions uh, there. Yeah, questions yeah, there. It's, it's, it's actually very interesting. I was like, what do you do? And, you know, like, how, how, did, you, how did you get, you know, a little bit of that? And he's like, I, I'm an investigative journalist for podcasts. No now, way. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's, I was like, I'm, I've started a podcast. I'm new, but I'm, you know, in season two now. And I was like, that's a little weird. But anyway. I can't the, wait to hear what I can't. Yeah. So I the guy calls me, calls me the next day and starts sending photos saying that the entire frame of the vehicle that he purchased from us is rusted out, unsafe for his family to drive in. And is sending like a quote, you know, photos of like a hole. And I was like, whoa, whoa, just I'm traveling. Let me get home. When was this? This was two days ago. Oh, gosh. Okay. And I was like, don't, don't worry. I know you're probably freaking out, right? I'm not going to go dark on you. I'm not saying I'm going to, what I'm going to do or what I'm not going to do, but you can guarantee, I'll guarantee you this. I won't go dark, right? You've got my number. We'll stay in contact. It's not a good situation for either of us. So if that, if that was the case, I've been asking people like, well, what would you do? And I've gotten, well, you got to give him the money back. I've gotten, well, he should have done something about it. And so you'll probably meet him in the middle. And then I've gotten quite a bit of buyer beware. It's his problem. You know, someone's like, did you give the title? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, that's, that's his deal. But I, I, uh, it's an interesting. Sure is, man. Right? That's a quandary you got yourself into right so there. So what, what do you think you would, uh, and then of course, right, then you, your, my mind immediately went to scamming. Sure. No, all I, of I'm, that. That came, that came as flag. So I said to him, I was like, listen, I want you to prove, get a second opinion, prove to me that it's you and our vehicle and all of that. And if that was the case, that's what the question's based on, right? The guy came down, didn't do his due diligence, but brought cash, paid, took off, got in touch with me the next day. And he was like, I'll drive the car back right now. And I was like, oh, I'm in Wyoming. So I don't know. It's been, it's been an interesting weird yeah what would you deal. do are you have you looked them up on facebook like can you can yeah confirm this so guy's legit so uh, yeah and that's what i was in the process of doing and it's been resolved but i'm more interested in people's um okay, okay responses so, so, yeah you know um i i i would tend to lean towards the buyer beware thing Yep. The vehicle worked properly when yeah. you went there. 
None of us know the intricacies of a motor. You could have a belt that had gone out. You could have an axle. You know, we don't know these yeah. things when we sell our vehicles. You could have a transfer. I mean, there's a thousand things. Having him call back and say, this is what I have found. Here's my opinion from somebody, what somebody told me. Yeah. The frames rusted out. Sounds yeah. like it's, it's not, here is a document from a dealership that sells these vehicles by a certified mechanic that went through yeah. and said, your car is <laughs> fucked and somebody's going to die the next time you drive yeah. it. You know, that it doesn't sound like that happened. Um, so you would you would lean more on the buyer beware side. I, I would. Yeah. I would. Okay. I really would. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because yeah. uh, someone else was someone else said, well, if he brought you a bag of cash and didn't take it to be inspected and decided to drive it home, it's his deal. I my dad taught me a long time ago, man. When you buy used cars, just pay somebody fifty. It was you know forty bucks to have a mechanic do it once over. Yeah. You do that. So it turns out, okay. Yeah, why? It turns out that the mechanic was trying to scam him to buy a new frame. But, Unbelievable. Yeah, it was amazing. But I, I uh, so. Did you develop a friendship with this guy? Yeah, like he was absolutely. Probably missing, going, he I'm so he sorry. actually, it was oh, so shit. weird because it sent me to a conspiracy world because he, he did a TED talk in Vancouver in 2015. And, um, I was like, "What's a guy with that's doing a TED talk, walking down the street with a bag of cash, buying and you know?" Did you ever come to that come in your conversation in your back and forth? Did you come <laughs> up to like, dude, what's up with the cash? Well, he the finally bank, he bro. finally came around and was like, "Hey, man, it was." He's like, "I come hat in hand. I apologize." Like it turns out, the guy was trying to scam me. Um, it is just some surface, but but anyhow, it does bring up an interesting question because I was like you know, oh, wow, I, I should give him his money back. And then it was like, actually, why would I do that? Maybe I should meet him in the middle. And then it's like, well, actually, you should get a used car inspected before you buy it. I mean, and the, if the frame's that bad, I mean, not that I'm underneath my truck looking at the time, not that I could tell by driving it, but wouldn't you think you might have some inkling maybe of how it would get that rusty, you know, could it possibly been one of these? Maybe he was. Maybe he thought. I don't know. It was one of these cars in the flood when the hurricanes happened and shit. shit yeah. Like no, right? that that actually completely came into my mind, hundred percent. Right. But he kept saying, "Well, you know, it's probably from the time in Montana." No. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's what I kept saying. Flag though. That's yeah. Thing. Somebody doesn't know what they're. Eh. Um, Creeper. But, I'm but so anyhow, glad I'm, I'm I'm glad to. Uh, you know, not to not to take away from the interview, but it, it's interesting because everyone like. Other people are like we got to give the money back. Other people are like, "Are you crazy? It's buyer beware." It's like a it's a, like a personality Rorschach test. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you yeah. ask somebody like, "What would you do in this situation?" Yeah. It's a uh, well, and all that comes back to how people, I guess, think and how they're raised. And do you just <laughs> flinch and give the money back because? Well, I was also thinking that could be part of the scam. Like, what a good scam! It is a good scam, right? Get a good vehicle. Have have everything. I mean, I was looking up the mechanic shop that had the. The work order done, and I called them to make sure. You know, what I mean, I was doing. You did some sniffing. My around. little investigation, yep. but if you get a good vehicle and find someone like me that's prone to maybe be a little humanitarian about it, and then you get half your money back, you, you just win. <laughs> pretty good fucking deal. Yep. Totally got you. Um, but let's. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry to stray away that's from. That's all right. Um, so Minnesota to Jackson Hole. 
Going 19, back. yeah, we're going way we're, back. We're going back to beginning age. <laughs> oh, geez. Here we go, everybody. So uh, I love the fact that you just said you're still a Wild fan. That's that's awesome. So moved here in 87, I'm presuming mid-teens? Um, the, the quick story is this, Mike. When, <laughs> yes, I was 17 years old. When okay. I, I went to a Catholic military all-boys school. Really? For high school, yeah. Where was that? In St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. Um, good experience. Bad experience. It was a good experience. It was um, it was a challenge. Yeah. Uh, my folks were divorced when I was about seven years old, mm-hmm. and uh, my my dad moved to the suburbs. My mom t- moved to the city, and when uh, we lived with my mom on the weekdays and went to school, I went to an inner city school hmm. for two years. For fifth and sixth grade, and I didn't learn one <laughs> fucking thing. I swear, I did not learn one thing. It was, uh, I can say that about college, but yeah. Yeah, no, college, I finally, it took me a while, but I, 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 I the military school taught me um, a couple things that were very valuable in my life. And um, one of them was you got to play the game to beat the game. Yeah. I learned at school, um, and I've had to watch a lot of my buddies revolt against this and be in revolt, which is common at that age. But I learned, Justin, if you just fucking polish your shoes, shine your brass, and keep your hair cut above your ears, above your eyebrows, and off the collar, nobody would give you, you, you yeah. avoid so much shit. So I did that. I learned that early on to get to play the game, to beat the game. Yeah. And as a result, you know, I, <laughs> those years in high school were, there were, I was not supervised a lot. My parents were off doing their own thing. Um, was it a day school or a boarding school? It was. School? It was a day school. Day school. Okay. I was able to go home. Uh, I had to take three buses, get up. It was a, it's a cool, long story, but uh, you didn't have to live in a district to go to that school. Um, I was able to go because my un- I had a couple uncles that went there 30 years prior. But it, it was a private military, because I think most yep. military, right? Yeah, Catholic, military, all boys school. We had to wear uniforms, and there was rank and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I'm not Catholic anymore, and I've yeah. never been a part of the military. <laughs> I mean, I learned one thing, like, I got to get, get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah. And I, lo- I saw a lot of my buddies um, struggle, um, but I, like I say, I... I, just, I feel like I kind of learned how to play the game a little yeah. bit. I was not a great student, but I was a captain of my wrestling team, and I graduated an officer, which was kind of a, a big deal. And That's cool. It was it was kind of cool. Yeah. It was, um, I think I blew my parents' mind because yeah. I was a C student, you know, but I was able to, socially I did good. It was the, it was the. Yeah, it's funny when I was, um, you know, I won't go into it, but on the similar, it was phrased a different way to me, but I remember you know, I had run away and I was all, you know, hitchhiking, et cetera, and came back to the school that, you know, this was a more of a character kind of get your act together. And, um, someone said, I don't care. You know, it was, it was a teacher I respected. They were like, I don't care what you believe or not at this point, just fake it until you make it, bro. You know Word, what I mean? Words to live by. I think, yeah. Honestly, sometimes you got to fake it to make it. Yeah, and I did. And then I was finally like, all right, I'm not, no one's bothering, you know, I'm not, I can breathe now. Right. You know? Interesting. We might, was yeah. that in your late teens? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So, so then from there, you, 
during, after that you came here or my senior year in high school, I worked with this guy in one of my dad's restaurants. I was a cook. Uh, and I was just like, dude, I just want to fucking go do something, you know, yeah. I just want to get out of my thing. It was clear to me by my senior year in high school, I was probably not going to follow in my father's footsteps. My dad had two business partners. They had like a dozen restaurants in the, in the twin cities. Both those guys had seven kids each. They're older than me and they were in there fucking up left and right. And I just, I was like, you know, I just, this isn't, it's not a family run business. This is a corporation. Yeah. And this dude said, Justin Paul was his name. Paul, I'm here now because of Paul. He said, you want to do something cool? Go get a job in Yellowstone National Park. The food's covered. They got housing there. It's, you can, you know, they, they'll get you there and once you're there. And dude, my mom, this is true, Mike. I've never, I've told very few people this. My mother, I think, was going through her second divorce, my second, my senior year in high school. She wanted me out of the house as bad as I want to be. She falsified my birth certificate so that I was 20 years old. No way. And I turned 21 on August 20th of 1986 when I actually turned 18. Okay, okay, so hold on a second. So she falsified it for you to get... You had to be 18 to get the job. Okay, I got you. And for some reason, I still don't know why. She doesn't know why. I think it was because the numbers that she had to white out. Yeah. Um, I was born in 68 and if, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. She, I don't yeah. think she remembers either. But she made it so I was twenty when I got there, and I turned twenty-one. Mike, I got to Yellowstone National Park, and she this, made it so you were eighteen. Or she, I was. I was seventeen when I graduated. She, yeah. And she made that birth certificate seem like I was twenty. Oh, I see. I, I see. Just probably because of the way the numbers lined up. Yeah. So yeah, you I, would get the job. So yeah. I'd get the job. Gotcha. And then she added a couple years onto it. Yeah. So what it looked like, and I didn't tell anybody when I was there, but it looked like they hired a 20-year-old young man. My birthday was August uh, 20th of that summer, and I turned 21. I became of legal drinking age in their eyes in the park, but I was actually a 17-year-old kid turning 18. No way. So did you, you had a license that reflected that? I didn't. Didn't need a license oh, back okay. then. It was, uh, it was a birth certificate and I think my social security card. Okay. That got me the job. And I just remember getting, I remember getting off the plane. It was a bus. It was a couple, anyway, a couple buses, a long journey there. But dude, the dry air of the West, waking up in the morning and seeing bison and elk out in there, the, the, the lack of biting insects. <laughs> I was 17 and I was working in the, uh, I was an EDR cook, employee dining room, which was kind of high profile for, for, from, from the guest standpoint. Yeah. And where were you in Yellowstone? Old Faithful Lodge. Cool. Old Faithful Lodge. Changed and did my- you, was that, a, you came out here just alone? Green. Yep. Totally alone. Wow. Had no idea about nothing. Knew nobody. Um, it was the best summer. <laughs> that had to be like a big turning point. I mean. It was a major, yeah. It was a yeah. huge positive turning point. Like I could be, most of my you know childhood, I wanted to be adult. I wanted to be an older person. I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to drive. I wanted yeah. to travel. Was that? Do you think that? Uh, do you attribute any of that to? I mean, because you said you were working in the in your dad's restaurants. Oh, I was working. Yeah, I was working yeah. in my dad's restaurant. You know, which by the way, you know, at 15 years old, I was exposed to. I worked with peep drug drug addicts, all sorts of kinds, yeah. shapes, colors, and size. Lots of gay people. 
at 16 to 17 years old after work we'd go to gay bars they'd love to let me you know, I could get into gay bars no problem yeah I was a 16 year old 17 year old kid and I just got to <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had to think about that for a second yeah oh, they, yeah. yeah. but I would go and you know the, the probably the, not discriminate as much oh no no yeah. no, no downtown Minneapolis Bethel, yeah um, and I just met all sorts of people was robbed at one of the restaurants one time it was a pretty um, fast track yeah, yeah, it was a fast track to being an adult, and I was exposed to a lot of, a lot of stuff that maybe maybe kids in high school aren't directly exposed to on TV there. But you know, I met these people, lived with them, and or worked with them rather didn't live with them necessarily. But became, yeah, so somewhere in like that stew of the re, you know what you were exposed to probably gave you the courage to get on the bus to come out here and I mean absolutely. by yourself. I mean that's a pretty it was a, yeah it was a pretty, yeah it's a pretty big deal. It was a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, came into open arms. Dang, it was fabulous to meet, you know, for example, people from the South. Hi, y'all. Justin, how you doing, <laughs> Justin? What you? I hadn't heard that before. Mm-hmm. And another thing is like, everybody's like, where are you from? I'd be like, well, what do you mean by that? What your accent? I don't have an accent, eh? Why would you say something like that? I'm probably one of the most normal people out there that you could possibly be talking to. You're the one that has the accent, you know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and all of a sudden I realized, wow, I'm in a, I'm in a, I came from a certain part of the planet, and uh, I met the dude. I dated Johan Kersele. I only remember her name. Yeah, if you're listening, Johan. Johan, <laughs> I remember you were. Oh, she did. Sweetheart. She, spoke, she was. She was from France. She spoke no English. Oh, wow. We spoke the language of love. <laughs> oh. And Bert and Brian. And these, there's a couple of the guys that ended up uh, in Jackson. Um, People from like that early that are still here? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it happens, right? So we've... I think many... Of, here's something I think we all have in common here in Jackson. You, me, these neighbors next to you. They can see yeah. out the window. We all left home. We're all transplants. Yeah. That's the one thing that we all, we all have the balls, by the way, the balls to leave home. I have so many friends still back in Minnesota. love them dearly. They would never consider leaving. They yeah. Would ne- I mean, it's just not even an option. Not even a... Even well, yeah. And, and like you and I were talking before this. I mean, just when we were catching up, right? I mean, that's part of the reasoning behind the show. You know, because people are like, what what is it? You know, and of course, it's to explore people's narratives, but... Most of the people on here, like we, we talked about, ride that fringe of the societal norm that we think is normal because we're surrounded in, it, in this bubble. But I'm hopeful, right? Like my nephew, who's supposed to be working here right now and didn't show up, he's <laughs> apparently doing like what, 22-year-olds? I think he's partying down in uh, Boulder. But you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's cool to hear. Like, I mean, and we're going to we're going to follow your story for that reason, because there is someone, you know, who's just like, I could never do something like that. And they could hear a story like yours and be like, well, shit, maybe I need to see something new. Well, after you asked me to be on here, Mike, I thought a lot about it. Like, what is, what's up with that? What is it that I could pop? And, and you know what? That's what I came up with is maybe, maybe somebody find it interesting to hear my story. And, and maybe they're, wondering about the same thing. How do I change my life and how do I work for the better and how do I make myself happy if I'm in a place that I'm, and we'll see. We'll yeah. See if that happens, and, but and that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
right? It's uh, we're, like you said, we're we're all kind of transplants out here. Some a lot longer sure, sure. than others. Um, but yeah, when we have that all in common, and then we see this as normal, but you know, there's a lot of people that. I mean, I remember when my brother-in-law came out. You know, the nephew who's missing here, his dad, in Victor, 2001, was sitting on my porch. And he's, he's you know, New York to San Francisco. Those are the two city jobs still still doing that. And he was like, this is it? You know, he's like looking across the pasture. And I was like, yeah, man, this is it. And he's like, you got some balls. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. it's... um So... Back back to it then. Sure, the, the, sure. That's a very cool... I'm, I'm so glad I we, we got that because I didn't know any of that. And then... So after first year in Yellowstone, then to school, or were you out here for a bit? Yep. No, you're right. I extended my stay. Um, um, I When I was there that summer, I was supposed to start college in the end of August. Um, one of the... <laughs> I had a I had a sheet of LSD uh-huh. that summer. Nice. And talk about I mean explorator of friends, neat experiences. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't shake it. Yeah. I was like I, I'm, I'm going to forego my first year of college. My folks were totally cool with that. I started college the following January after this amazing western thing. and the bug set in. I was I from that moment. I remember driving back in a in a <laughs> in a car that had. Four cylinders and only three worked out of Yellowstone that September, saying, I have to come back. I, this cannot be the end of this chapter. Yeah. The West is where it is the best, and I have to find my way there. Fortunately, uh, I started uh, college at the University of Wisconsin Stout with their four-year hotel, hotel restaurant management program, uh, which was pretty, really good, highly regarded in the country then, still is. My mom got her second divorce my senior year in, in high school there. And she needed to change. She decided, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a shot, too. She bought the Jackson Hole Ice Cream Company on the second floor of Pink Garter Plaza. No way. Yeah. So I'd come out and scoop ice cream mm-hmm. for, um, for the summers. And, uh, and I go back to Wisconsin. <laughs> Any siblings? Yeah, I got a brother, Bart. Okay. My brother's 11 months old. So was younger. he then with... He came out west too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah. a mom. As a matter of fact, it's not too far from here. Over in uh, right behind the school there. What's that subdivision? Cottonwood. Yeah, yeah. It was a little condo she bought for sixty six grand back in the day. That is amazing. <laughs> it was brand new back then, <laughs> and uh, it had a bedroom in it, upstairs, two bedrooms, and I, I made an apartment out in the garage because I was too cool. Yeah. to be in the house. I was a big adult now. I didn't need to live back home. My mom in the garage, <laughs> and uh, we did the ice cream thing. And then that was, I mean, I mean, it's hard to sell ice cream. You got to sell a shitload of it to make any money for three, you know, you get three months of the year to do that. Yeah. So she kind of finally, she finally got over that and then became a manager up at the Granary Restaurant, a dining room manager at the Granary Restaurant up at Spring Creek Ranch. Wow. And that kind of started the, uh, the culinary chapter of my life there. I, I, uh, she said, you got to, Justin, when you come back out, I sold the ice cream shop. I want you to meet this guy. His name's Brad Sutton. And he's the chef here at the... At the I know Brad. You do? Yeah. Cool. I didn't yeah. Know so, you know, you know he's, he, is, he is a major reason uh, 
why I'm here. He, he's he's not here though, is he? He's not. No, he's right now. He's in Costa Rica. Good for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Brad's a single guy. Been single his whole life. Uh, chef Johnson Wales. Johnson Wales trained. Um, avid fisherman. Yeah. Avid hunter. And the guy took me under his wing early on, and he dragged me around the winds, the all around the hobacks, hunting and fishing. And we would do these gnarly trips uh, on our days off. He'd schedule our days off. And I still want to be like Brad when I grow up. <laughs> he is such a spat. And his knees are blown out. His eyes are all fried. He's, he smokes ciggies. It's taking his toll on him. But I want to say I met him through Dean the Dream. Yeah. Dean Burton. Yeah. Myself, Tom Henninger. Uh, there, yeah. Remember, you know Tom? You ever met Tom? Uh, also wildlife music, right? Yes, National yeah. Museum. Well, he took over after me. Also Baker Salisbury. Wow. We all kind of learned how to fly fish at the same time, and Brad took us out. And the list goes on, by the way. I mean... Baker was here then? Baker was here. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. He was working for a bank back in those days. I remember I met him right before that, too. We were all 20, 20-year-old kids back then. And... uh Brad, Brad's the one that drug me around, and, and I had some culinary skills, and soon after that, I was, they asked me if I would start the uh, Rising Sage Cafe in the National Museum of Wild, Wildlife Art. What a cool museum. What an amazing historical place. I think it's, you know, underspoken about. Uh, it's, it is, for sure. You could, one of the neatest uh, things I've seen there, displays I've ever seen there, was the draw, you know, back in the turn of the century, or way back when they were starting to colonize this place, they, would, they didn't have cameras. So these guys would do drawings of bison and then go back to the East Coast and show people, of this is what's going on out in the West. Yeah. And there were simply these drawings of and the geysers and talk about Yellowstone, mind-blowing stuff. Um, the museum, it's a really special place. Um, I was able to meet, the cool thing about it was all the who's who's of Jackson, you know, the, the Dick Cheney's and the Dick Scarlet's yeah. and the list goes on and on. The, the, and cater in their homes and I got to meet that crowd of interesting, the met uh, Clinton one time. Nice. President Clinton came in, got to visit with what, him. What year was that when uh, the Rising Sage started? 1993. Oh, wow. I want to say 1993. I lived in a yurt out in Kelly in those days. Well, good for yeah. you. Yeah, those were the, those were the days in the winter. Uh, sharing the bathrooms out there with everybody else that lived in the community. I realized then that that, that, that was a good experience, but I didn't want to live in the yurt the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That taught me that taught me like, dude, you gotta go get a raise or something. And then um, you know, a little bit after that, Mike, I went up to Bozeman, Montana chasing a girl. Mm-hmm. And I was the executive chef for the president of the Montana State. The the guy but it's it, Montana, like the university. University, is it University yeah. of Montana, and Montana uh, State's, and yeah, I don't know. It's, I know it's the, uh, it's the Bobcats, not the Grizzlies, right? The Grizzlies are in Missoula. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So I did that. It wasn't too. I just my heart was back here. I would come back on the weekends and do catering up at the Spring Creek, uh, and or the museum um, was good. But like like many of my, I kind of hit the ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, what am I going to do from here? Fuck, I'm going to do this for yeah. my life. <laughs> Shit, no, I got to keep going. So, uh, yeah, I took off for a little while. That's when I became, Then that's sort of kind of after that, you know, doing the chef gig. Well, I'll be, to be honest with you, dude, Dean Burton was one of the waiters. At the? At the Rising Sage. Oh, wow. Us, 
And that son of a bitch, he'd come in after a day of guiding and he'd have a hundred dollar bill in his pocket. Yep. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. And back in then. Those memories like, are so cool. Like we were, <laughs> yeah. I, who was I? Um, yeah, it was Josh Grafham from Umqua when he was talking about like he ended up in West Yellowstone and he saw a bunch of guides kind of doing the same thing afterwards. And he's like, I want to do that. Um, and it's pretty cool that, that, that Dean, yeah, I, did. Like, I was like, I want to do that. And I can't remember. I think Dean probably started for West Bank soon after. I can't remember how it all went down, but, um, I went around and started asking, so asking Jimmy and Howard over at, over at, uh, high country, high country. It was high country at the back of the time. You know, guys, I, you know, I've come in here for the last year. I'm 21 now. Really yeah. like to talk to you guys about getting some trips out there, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they just said, "Hey, Justin, you, sure, you seem like a nice guy, <laughs> but I mean, you couldn't get any greener on the gills." Yeah. So I was like, "Fuck, what am I gonna do? How can I get in? How what can? Oh, oh, I got it. I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go to the. Oh yeah, I gotta get some guiding experience somehow. I gotta yeah. get some guiding of some. T- I went to the Snowmobile Outfitters and said, "Hey." Would you That's guys? So smart. Would you, you know? Would you look at hiring me from Minnesota? I've been riding Polaris my whole life. You know, <laughs> I really think Skidoo's got a good product out there, but I'm way more comfortable with those air cooled engines. And they brought me on at Goosewing Ranch. Now uh, that is that is cool because Goosewing is spectacular. It is another one of these amazing blips yeah. around here that you know, unless you get exposed to it, you don't know about it, but. And are they are they open? I mean, they're obviously open in the winter if they're hiring you. Or were they doing it back like, then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're open in the winter. And wow. a guy by the name of Francois, I think Francois, cool. must have snowmobiled in there. I mean, uh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Dude, I mean, you know, Mike, if you, <laughs> Mikey Hemkins. Yeah, I just I just finished. His, we just did his. You did? Yeah. Did you talk about snowmobiling? Oh at all? yeah. Oh, so <laughs> fuck me running, dude. Yeah. That is. He one just th- hung up the helmet, and uh, so I'm we talked amazed. about that for a while. I mean, the stories that I could, I mean, we won't get into them all right now. There's not enough time. Um, it was an unbelievable experience of some of the gnarliest, craziest life experiences, people hurting themselves, getting That's exactly chased, what he was saying. Equipment malfunction. We were the ghetto outfit. We had these two wheel drive vans equipment. Oh my gosh. And were you guys going from like in the Grovance or were you going everywhere? Okay. Dude, we went everywhere, uh, up into the park. We went to um, uh, the hot, sp- hot Springs. We went to the Grovant. We went oftentimes up into um, oh uh, Togety Lodge and that whole area up there. Hmm. We would do overnight trips, you know, seventeen miles into the Grovant, spend the night at the Groose Wing, and then take off towards Pinedale or up towards Dubois. That's so cool. It was it was really really cool when everything went right, That's which was <laughs> never. Which is so crazy because I never knew that about you. Right. And the fact that like Mikey and then you just said Mikey and then you guys are literally <laughs> going to be it's going to go Mikey's episode and then you. Um, and then so they had a fishing. No, then they didn't. They, well, I was just snowmobile guy, but I got like three years under my my belt, and then I went to Chris Hyde, a good buddy of mine. Got mm-hmm. started working at the Lodge of Palisades Creek with Carter, and then Wisnan and Carter was kind of on his way out, getting ready to go to the Bahamas. And was Carter um, manager, or was he head guide, or what? Yeah, a little bit of both. It okay. smells to me like if I remember. I think he. Yeah, I don't know. I think he was the head guide. Let's find out when we get him on here, but. 
Oh, good. Yeah, you got to give <laughs> get the big boy on here. Yeah, we, he, I, Kurt Hamby and I talked about him quite a bit. When, Must have. Yeah. Must have for sure. Um, so he was still there when you. Carter was still there. Yup, yup, yup. He was, like you say, Steve Wisnand was the guy that hired me uh, officially. And I, I, it was on that, uh, the, you know, the, the uh, bro referral and the fact that I had worked with people. Um, and I was a tour guide. I took it seriously. Yeah. I got the headset in my van and it broadcast over the thing. And I, dude, I would f- babble for 45 <laughs> minutes nonstop about the Grove on slide on this side and the Teton shelf on that side and the history of bison. They're not called buffalo. Yeah. I had the spiel. I loved it. I loved it. People would ask these questions and be amazed and love to learn about the thing. It was great. And then you had to go tour them and train them how to use these machines. And I'm sure Mikey said the same thing every day. Dude, Jack Snapplewit says, well, don't worry about us. Yeah. <laughs> We're from Alabama. We ride four-wheelers. <laughs> We're going to be just fine today on this machine. Oh, my. And you just right there. Yeah, you into know, four oh, feet of powder. Four feet of powder eating the windshield. Yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be icky. Well, that's um, that's crazy. Um, so, essentially, you, you kind of chalk it up to the fact that like, you kind of did a workaround, right? You, you knew you were getting into the fishing scene. You wanted to be a fishing guide. Mm-hmm. They weren't having you, but you were like, well, if I'm a guide, I'm going to get that much closer. Yep. And yep. then it worked out. Mike, if there's, if there's one, th- you know, one life lesson, I've told this to many of young people that work in the hospitality industry, which is a dire outlook, by the way. Especially around here. <laughs> right? Anywhere. Yeah. It really is. unless you. But the way you get past so much in life, I really believe if you're willing to come to work five minutes early and you're willing to willing, you don't have to, but if you're willing to stay 15 minutes late. Yeah. And the third thing is work harder than the guy next to you. Yeah. You will rise. Absolutely. Three ingredients. I really believe that are the recipe to success. Come in a little early, be willing to stay a little later and work harder than the guy next to you. Your superiors will see that. And all we want as, you know, as employers, the superiors for the lack of better, is somebody to give a shit and to just yeah. be willing to put the time in and somebody that just cares and works hard at it. Yeah. It seems like these days, like there's a lot of um, entitlement to fast forward, if you will. Like, like, okay, I'm here. All right. Now bring me into year five. And it's like, well, you skipped the five years where you needed to actually work. It's the truth. You know? You know? We wrestle with it. You know, I wrestle with that. I have young people working for me that are always trying to streamline things too much. In, in our industry, in hospitality, it's face-to-face, voice-to-voice stuff. You can't text people and email people everything. And, and I, you know, my, the guy that I work for, Marshall Geller, now, um, and we should talk about him at some point in time, yeah. uh, has, uh, has helped instill many things into me. And this is one of them. And this is an Ohio. He says it to this day. If he didn't say it in the last two weeks to me, listen, Justin, just, just don't, don't email him. Don't touch. Just pick up the phone and call him. Would yeah. you call that guy? He's so right. And I do that so often. And I'm really trying to get my young people who are inclined to use the app, to use the the service, the the quick thing, to not personalize communication. Yeah. And uh, it's a pull and tug for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I used to have this, as you do, right? I mean, you, you're the last resort when shit goes wrong. Um, and people would be like, I'll just email them back. I'm like, no, no, no. Give me, give me the number. Yep. I'm going to call. 
And because they, they hear your voice, they hear that you care. Let's get to the bottom of the issue, right? Things go right. You're not hearing from anyone. You got it. It's, um, and and you, you, you touched on something else too. Like, like, and I tell this to our guide staff all the time. And, and our whole tone and inflection when you're talking to somebody yeah. makes such a difference. You can say, you know, how's your, how's your day going in four different tones and sound snide. Yep. Sound welcoming. So tone and inflection are really important. And I think if you just call to <laughs> just call and talk to somebody when there's a especially when there's an issue. Yeah. And and roll into it being cool. Kind of like your like your dude. You said, you know, you let me just let's take a deep breath. Let me get home. Yeah. And I'm not gonna ghost you, but let's deal, you know, I will deal with this yeah. with you. You know, we will come to a resolution. Yeah, exactly. You could have texted that guy and said, dude, I'm not a town, I'll get back to you when I get home. In, in a two sentence thing, and that could have sent him to the moon. Like, oh, well, I yeah, it's the emotions like that come with the hidden right. It all depends on the mood you're in. Like, you can get an email that's actually a positive email, and if I'm in a shitty mood, I could take it as like the world's ending. But I'll never that will never happen if I talk to someone. Yes, right, totally one thousand. Man, one thousand percent, and I, like I say, the guy that I work for is a is a very successful venture capital guy with a long history. Bear, he, California. He's from California. Okay. Yeah, Californian for sure. Marshall is in, uh, and grew the Bear Stearns business and sold and, and got his team to be very successful. And as a result, he was successful by talking to people. Yeah, just what a, what a novel idea. Phone. It is so novel, and our, our young people just aren't in, they're just not inclined to verbally speak yeah. they're so it's just so much easier but look at i can just quick pip like I, I it's now there's a document we sent them this conversation that's all fine and dandy you guys but fuck just call them up yeah. call her up it'll get and it'll end it will get resolved quicker easier and you'll have this connection so that when it comes time to be face to face with them they'll know yeah, I can. I know the shades of person I can. Or, that's here's a young person I can talk to, and we resolve the question. And by the way, they know about it, so I know when I show up, I'm gonna have my whatever it is, gluten free meal or yeah. the extra cabin or the extra stay or whatever, whatever the confusion ahead of time was. Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of crazy, like the the pace, right? At which we're moving. I mean, you you describing like people used to have to come out here and draw and then travel back across the country to show people. I mean, look at what we're doing now between it. It's pretty wild. Um, but so then you started as a fishing guide at the lodge of Palisades. Sure Creek. did. Yep. Yep. I did. That was in 98, right? Yeah. 98 in 2000. Um, uh, I had to, our, our place in the year 2000, the place I was staying at on um, Pearl Street went up for sale, and we got two months to move out in July. And by the graces of the powers that be, my housemate or my roommate and I were able to buy a tiny little house uh, in Victor. Nice. A place that I swore the 10 years prior I would never live in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> place is a ghost town. I mean, yeah, look at it now. It's, look at it now, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, JJ and I bought a house together. We borrowed some money from our folks. We matched that 7,000 bucks. We each borrowed from our folks. We both each had seven grand. We bought a house for 125 grand. 
Soon after, I was dating Tressa Allen at the time. Somebody who's oh, wow. just yeah. I have the most Let's respect get Tressa for. Tressa on here. She's she would yeah. be a. I mean, dude, you want to talk about history? Yeah. And family history well, in this industry? Yeah. She has some great stories and is just a really exceptional human being. Yeah, and she, boots. I mean, boots. Yeah. Amazing, dude. You've got a. Yeah, got no. I, I, I mean, see, like, each time I do this, I get yeah, uh, you know yeah. <laughs> more, more, and more people. Totally. Uh, and then Tressa was friends with the, you know, the, the Sugden family, uh, Dr. Richard Sugden. And, uh, they kind of, they said, Hey, Justin, you know, we're thinking about putting this, uh, FBO. That's a fixed base operation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had no idea until about a year after I started. We're putting, we want to put a restaurant up at the airport and drinks. And I was like, you want to oh, do what? Good luck. <laughs> Fuck. You got any other dumb ideas? <laughs> you know? And then I, I got to meet more of the family, his son-in-law, Peter, uh, at the time. And he brought me up and said, why don't you just come on up and check this out? Just just, just, just come on up here and just, just yeah, show you what you got. Yeah, because he knew it was cool as shit. It was cool as shit. Yeah. And the doc just wanted burgers and lime freezes, if I... Lime freezes, yeah. Uh, that you could get at the little... Remember the... There was a bison joint, a big bison in downtown Driggs that served, served lime freezes. Anyways, he just wanted a basic thing. We, and we were able to go to him and say... Rich, let's not do basic. Let's blow this thing up because yeah. there's nothing in the valley. And that's when you and I first met. Is that, is that yeah, the time? For sure. All right. Okay. Because I was like, right when you started there, I had probably been here for like a year. Had done the same thing, by the way. My, my house price was 125 is grand. Is that right? Um, and it was a handshake deal in the pouring rain. Um, but yeah, I remember that. And I remember thinking, Wow. This place is cool. Um, talking Victor, about Warbirds. Were you in Victor? I was in Victor, yeah. Did you move buy a house, your first house in Victor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, see, I didn't come to Wyoming until, you know, I Recently. was there. I, I, it was weird, right? Because every time you talk to someone, they all started in Jackson, then Victor. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I went right to Victor. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> Bypass Jackson, but now I'm here. I mean, they're, it's all cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, they, uh, and then we just decided to blow it up. And, you know, back in those days, um, there was only one liquor license in the whole valley. I think it was the Naughty Pine. Yeah. Well, and no, the, um, it was the British Rail. What was it called? Uh, Timberline. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. yep you're right. You're right. Timberline 2, Sketch. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, that was the, the oh, door yeah. closes. It was like the uh, covered wagon over in Swan Valley. You walk yeah. in that place and it goes silent <laughs> and a bunch some... of cigarette butts uh, turn yeah. and start looking no, at you. there was some shit that went down Ye... in the Timberline back then, for sure. You could go down because you knew nobody would ever hear about it. Right? <laughs> exactly. that but, but I we... remember being like ridiculously impressed with the whole Warbirds like scene, not totally. to mention like what you guys put together with the menu, oh. but then also like you order your food and then you get to go to a sick museum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, the planes that you can see coming in off that tarmac still and the Tetons in the background. Yeah. It is a very special place. And, and I knew that and I signed on and said, okay, we can blow, we can blow this up. And, uh, I started off as a chef there and, and the kind of the chef GM and then that's kind of when I made my tris- transition from the back of the house to the front of the house. Mm-hmm. And I was always, I was always one of these guys in the back. Like, I, I just don't have the gut. I don't like talking to the people. These guys look nice. I smell, you know, I'm in my cook <laughs> shit. I just, just soon be back here cussing like a sailor and, and uh, eating food and whatever. And then I just, the place grew. It got so busy so fast. 
um, that I had to hire more help, more managerial help, and I and I could find my my peer group with other chefs. Did you leave guiding at this time? I I would say I did. I still was licensed. Yep. I still did every year. Some years I would do five trips. Some mm-hmm. years I would do ten. Um, maybe I did that for five years, two thousand to two thousand five at the Warbirds, and it was it, we grew that thing. We had jazz nights, martini nights. It was it was a lot of fun. There was a yeah. line to get in. I still I got a call recently to maybe to, to help them try to get that back, and, and I'd be interested in doing that. A lot of my heart is in that place, but still, dude. At the end of the day. We'd we'd freaking kill it for four and a half months mm-hmm. and then lose it. Yeah, the, the other seven, you know, it sure. just it was just. Uh. And luckily, you know, I worked for a great people, great family. Doctor Sugden, uh, his whole family—they're fabulous people, strong supporters. Um, it was uh, they just wanted the thing to, to float, you know. They just they didn't they didn't want it to hemorrhage, and we never really hemorrhaged, but. You know, after five years of dealing with it and and hiring, and it's traumatic. I mean, the yeah. seasonality in our industry is a challenging part. You have to fire everybody in the fall, rehire them in the spring. Some days are hot. Some days are cold. You never knew back then how many people were going to show up, but you had to staff for it. Yeah. You know, so it was a challenge. And, you know, I kind of kind of hit the ceiling. We, there wasn't where I thought, where in the hell is we? And there was a guy that kept on coming and said, dude, when you're ready... I need you. You're my man. I want you. I, I need a guy like you. I don't want to take you from here, but when you're ready, you bug me and bug me and bug me. He was a merchant banker, mm-hmm. which was selling credit card processing, which I, it like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? You yeah. want, are you serious? I will train you. I will show you the ropes. I want you to help me do I this. I could see I why he to. would want to want you though. I mean, you, you could sell anything to, Yes, Mike. I you guess know? it's turned out. Yeah, I fucking loved it. Really, I I had to do cold calls. Like I would pick a, I would drive to Idaho Falls, uh-huh. like Jackson Hole. I could not. The only deal was you can sell our services, the machines, and the rates. And by the way, you negotiate the rates and you put in there a little tiny hundredth of a percent for your mark for you. And every time a card goes through that thing, you get a fraction of a percent of that transaction. And by the way, that goes into that business goes into portfolio, and you own that. And this is this is still common today. In hmm. you own that book of business, mm-hmm. and that is your; those are your customers as long as they stay with us. Um, and I, <laughs> I would, I, I was. He trained me, but this guy Tyson walked me around, tall, handsome, <laughs> chatty, talky son of. He could, I mean, sit tall. <laughs> he was smooth as butter. And they, you know, and my whole trip was, well, you know, the, the, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to be straight up and fair with people and show them what I'm going to do. Cause there's so much shadiness in that business. They don't disclose everything you're dealing, you're getting your services from somebody over a phone that you never actually see in person. It's all done electronically, fill a few forms off, fax them back and you're processing, you know, you're getting your funds put in your bank. I wanted to be, I'm a guy that, you know. Here's yeah. my card. You can call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I think I can save you money from your credit card processing. Even if it's $1 and you get good, good rates, I'll be your guy. You're dealing with a local company out of Driggs. Give me a shot. Your buddy down the street did it. Here's yeah. four other guys that did it. 
Um, that's, I, a, that's always a good sales pitch. Yeah, you know, you, I, I put that in there, but I would pick a street in downtown Idaho Falls and walk into every door and knock on the door, and it was the scariest fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people told me numerous, you know, a few times, never walk into here again without an appointment. I don't ever want to see you scamming son of. But I kind of, and I, I kind of kick sand. Thick, and, thick yeah, skin, yeah. Thick skin. I got, I got thicker skin the first couple times. I yeah. cried, you know, in my car. I was like, <laughs> what am I doing to some of these people? And it involves math. Oh, my God. But it worked. I, I, I started to realize that, you know, a lot of sales is personal. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm saving them $15 a month over the course of a whole year or 50 necessarily. It's personal relationships. Yeah. And especially in these areas. Especially, you're exactly yeah. right, where people don't know they're dealing with their... Well, credit cards are taken... You have to in a tourism economy. Yeah. You have to take cards at every single business. Yeah. Nobody knew who their processor was. Nobody had a number to call that you didn't have to dial one if it was a credit processing question, two if you've lost funds, three if your machines, you know, you can call me and I will walk you through. And I learned how to program the machines and yeah. deal with them and the paper and shit like that. And I did, we did good. And it's a, it's a twisted long story of how the economy, it was right before the economy tanked in 05. I started there in 08. We were going to blow this up nationally. And the guy that I worked for took this huge $40 million loan out to do it. And then the, the bank called, the, the economy crashed. The bank called the note back and he essentially, he folded. And luckily I was able to get out of there um, yeah. pretty unscathed. But then I was like, fuck, now what am I going to do? Uh-huh. And what happened, uh, the, I'll make it short. Steven. No, no, make it long. Okay, so then um, I went home. No, uh, what happened was, Mike, <laughs> I went home. I had a... Packed a big bong hit and yeah. said, dude, <laughs> you better figure your shit out because everything, your dreams just catered on you. And I came to the conclusion, well, I'm going to go back to the, the base. I'm going to go back to being a chef. Yeah. That's what I can do. And I was dreading it. I'll be honest with you. The long hours, stand on your feet, the, the, the you know, the... the the staffing issues that come, the delivery. And you were probably maybe looking at the guiding as a little too seasonal at that Dude, point. Yes, Mike. Yeah. As much as I loved it, I realized... You were looking for more. That's it. Yeah. I realized I'm, I'm looking for more. Yeah. This was a great thing, but there were the other seven months of the year, you know, six months of the year that I that I was struggling, and uh, and there was already head guy. Yep, I wanted more. Yep. And... Um, Stephen Price from Spring Creek Ranch, who who was who was the the boss back in the days of the Rising Sage Cafe and the catering business prior to that, the Spring Creek, called me up and said, "Justin, I'm sure I can tell the story." Yeah, yeah. We, he said, "Dude, <laughs> I'm I want to take over Teton Springs in Victor." Okay. They've asked me to come and manage the the the, the property, the the the, the uh, condos there, uh, and the restaurant. He said, I'm going to only do it if you do it with me. I need you to be in there. I need you to talk to the ladies that are the part of the club, to do the catering, to put food out in the restaurant, to, to work the, the restaurant for the golf carts. Mm-hmm. But I just, I'm just i only going to do this if you do it with me. And I said, okay, I'm in. I'll, I'll do it. It's, it's a mile away from my house. And I said it, and I was like, you did it. You just signed with the devil. Nothing against Steven, yeah. but that place had a shitty little tiny kitchen, and they were way, uh, way overtaxed with what they're trying to produce for food and any type of quality, and the seasonality and everything. 
of hiring everybody for the golf course, letting them go. Food storage was a nightmare there. They had no coolers. I did a... I did so we must have like literally just moved out of there then. Is that when? And this was in... Well, this was in... Uh, right in the recession. 1990... 2008 or nine. Yeah, yep. so right when yep. it hit the fan. Right when it yeah. hit the fan. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to go back into the kitchen... And I was, and it was going to be like a hostile takeover. It was going to be one of these oh. deals where, like, one night we're going to walk in there, and we're going to introduce you, and you're going to tell the entire staff that you are now the new manager, and we're going to let the vast majority of them go that night. We're going to let them. There was mm. something had gone on prior yeah. to us going there that they had to. Doesn't sit too well. It, the whole thing was like yeah. oofed, and I knew, like, I knew a couple of them too, and I couldn't oh. tell them, and I was like, "This is so weird." <laughs> it's what hard, fuck? man. What am I gonna? What else am I gonna go do? You know, go cook at the naughty? No, that wasn't gonna happen. We're gonna. So, lo and behold, we were getting ready to. We had it all planned out. We'd met with their management team. I had a menu prepped. Um, we were going to go in there and do this hostile takeover one night. And then I had to pr- somehow produce dinner for the guests in the dining-, dining room that night, having not any experience. The whole thing was just jacked up. Yeah. It was not good. And I was sweating bullets. I never knew any of this. Right. No, yeah. most people don't. Most people. Uh, and then the phone rang. I was in the Bahamas. Uh, we rented a house, my mom and I, um, for for about four years, had access to a friend's house on Scotland Key, just outside of Hopetown, mm-hmm. uh, near Abaco there. And uh, I was there with my mom on a kind of a, this is it, this is probably the last time I'll be able to do this trip with you guys. I'm going back, I'm going to take this job. It's going to be taxing for two or three years until I can get up on its feet. And the phone rang, and it was, it was Marshall Geller, the manager, the owner uh, of the Lodge Palace Ace Creek. And had you had prior interactions with him? Only as a fishing guide. Okay. And he knew me only as a fishing guide. So you obviously made a good impression. It was... <laughs> I don't think he was comfortable with making that call, but my peers said, Marshall, since Stan's retiring, mm-hmm. you've asked us what you think, who should do it, and we're going to put Justin's name in the hat. And did you know that when they were saying that? I did not. Wow, that's not, really cool. It was really special. It means yeah. a lot. To, it still means a lot. Yeah. To me. um, and he knew me as you know, you know, when I was a fishing guide, I'd roll into that fly shop in the morning as spunky and goofy and whacked out hair, yeah. uh, and hung over as the, the weirdest <laughs> ones did. And and he, it took him, it took me five years to kind of convince him that I, that's not actually who he was getting. Yeah. Those are my loose years being a fishing guide. I didn't have to. Yeah, we were all aging a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and uh, yeah, he said, we want to think about it. And I said, there's no thinking about it. Let's just do that. I I would, this is my dream come true. In fact, you know, another part of the story is Stan, when I first got hired, this is weird, Mike. When I first got hired, Stan used to look at me when I come to the fly shop and he'd say, he'd tell me, you know you're going to run this place one day, right? Really? Yes. And I would be like, there's just no way that's going to happen. I couldn't possibly take on that responsibility. But it sat in the back of my mind. And when the opportunity to run the Rising, uh, excuse me, the Warbirds Cafe come up, I jumped on it because I figured, you know what, this is going to be better training for me. To If I if the stars line up yeah. and I do get to run this place, I want to at least come, come out of another hospitality experience 
into this rather than just being a fishing guide for 14 years and then also being asked to run the place. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like I wanted to get that foundation. Well, and I, I think it's just wildly interesting and I'm reading, um, it, it was in this book, I think from strength to strength, I, I mentioned this in a prior podcast, but it's amazing when you pay attention to things like you're talking about the process of like wanting something or having it get done, especially when you make up your mind, like you saying that you started at Warbirds because you knew that that experience, if, if this opportunity ever came up, would benefit you. It, how, how those things end up playing out, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, I was just telling someone the other day, like, it was a year ago that I was like driving over the pass. I'll never forget the day. And I was like, I'm going to start a fucking podcast. And then... It was like, well, how the hell would I do that? And and then here we are, right? So I guess what I'm saying is I, I think that there's way more to those things than, than we give credit to. Um, the fact that, right, Stan planted a seed in your head. You knew that probably maybe taking on some other business and a startup and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, no, I mean, you're a thousand percent right. It was the scariest thing. It was out of my comfort zone, but maybe that's part of the... Maybe that could be part of the lesson, right? Is you gotta take a step forward, risk. Yeah, risk. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like Underlying capitalized risk is the foundation of how I think you know not just our economy works, but I think it can be the path to success. Challenging yourself to do things that you're not comfortable with. Yeah, competing against yourself, right? You know. So yeah, that happened, and uh, I'll never forget. I had to call Stephen and tell him. And that was that was 2010. Yes, it was. Okay. Yep. And uh, Stephen, this was also two weeks before the takeover. I oh, wow. Him. Yep. And he, I'll never forget it. He yelled into the phone, fuck, three times as loud as possible. And I thought, oh my God, my friend, we're, it's over. He, this guy's going to hate me. He's probably going to come over tonight and punch me. He's, <laughs> oh my God. He's, you know, he's, he, F, 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 silence. And they said, you had to take that job. Yeah, <laughs> that's got cool. To take that job, yep. And we've been friends ever since. And he's he's met, he's been a voice of reason for me. And we've we've shared challenges and, and resolutions in the biz and how to handle it. And and uh, he's uh, he's been a good guy. It's been a dream come true, man. I got to tell you, it's always really cool though, too. I mean, his his fucks were probably at his own situation because he yep. was losing you, but yep. at the same time, right? I oh mean, yeah. And, I, and it wasn't cold turkey. I was like, I will stay on with you. I will find you another person. I will be there to train them yeah. and do this. Job. I mean, I'm not going to, I can't leave you cold turkey. Hang but on. it's always cool. I mean, I remember when anyone would come in and say, I have this opportunity. I'd be like, awesome. You know By the mean? way, same. I think that's the quality of a good leader is when the people that you work with have opportunities to move up and move in a direction or ladder that makes them happy. Yeah. Fully support that. Yeah, and I think it's a casualty of just not putting yourself first, right? Like, instead of being like, oh, I'm screwed, like, why don't you just look at, they're yep. getting an opportunity, so support them. Yep, yep. But, Both of our businesses, there's, you know, for the lack of a better word, transiency. Fishing guides come and go. Yeah. Right? Um, servers and chefs and guides come and go, and you've got to embrace the ones that, that move up and on um, as long as they, you know, give you two weeks and, and go out on a good note. And that's uh, that's a part of it because if you if you go the other way and think about how screwed you just got because this person's leaving, you're going to be miserable. And it's yeah, like, I'm sure it's going to come through in your management style. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that that we you know 
that brings us to obviously where you still are now, but that was 12 years. <laughs> I mean, this is my 13th year. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It, it just is. seems like it went by. I don't know if it's like, if it's just the warp speed of, of life. I, I was texting someone last night and they were like, I said, as your, my buddy of mine, I was like, is your, is Jack driving? And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then he's like, how's your crew? And same, you know, went through it and he's like, it, you know, it goes by quick and it's like, it does. Yeah. Throw kids but in there. The days, the day, yeah. Family, kids, life, right. Where we are, you and I are on the same exact. I never really realized it until we sat down today and really, I mean, our kids are same age, very close to the same age. You like probably got weeks. married. Yep, two thousand three. I want to say it was okay. I was a little bit after that. Yeah, yeah. I, we uh, we went reverse. You know, I, I knocked up the pastor's daughter and then uh, then married her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a true story. Oh, that was a tough, that was a tough day. Go sit down with the dad, pastor. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I had a similar. I, I had a tough sit down story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're a man, you sit down with the dad. Absolutely, right? I had to fly, and um, yeah, it. Um, but I guess, I guess my point to my buddy was like, yeah, it. You know, the years are lightning, but the days can be molasses, um, which is an interesting contradiction, right? Like, yeah. So you could you could be there with your kids and it can be like, no, is it bedtime yet? You're exactly right. Um, right. But then at the birthday you're like, wow, another year is gone. Right. Um, it's crazy. But all right, let's let's hop in. So then you then you get into um, kind of you know like I wrote in the bio. It seems like everything you did prior to that had set you up for some good success to bring your fishing, hospitality. Yeah. You probably even learned a ton of shit in the selling the credit card services that About sales, plays in. Yeah. yeah, no, you're exactly right. I, it's yes, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea this was things were going to play out the way they did. I moved out here, you know, as a young man in the restaurant business. Going, I, you know, I knew I was never going to own one. I knew my my father uh, would never open a restaurant out here. That was never going to happen. I asked him one time, and he was like. No, yeah. we, we, we study where we're going to put our restaurants, demographics and park. It's all this. And there's no seasonality in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, from, from a, from a service perspective. Population. There's enough people. Yeah. Totally. And even in the winters, when you place it at the right place, you're going to get the, the people come. Uh, it, it, it was, it's like, it's divine. I don't know. I do feel like something, uh, has led me to this. Um, you know, Yes, I, 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 yep, you're right. It, it had all these bizarre qualities. Fortunately, you know, one great thing, um, going from being guide to managing, uh, I was able to garner, that's the right word, the respect of the guides. Sure. They were so happy that one of them kind of was in, um, moving to a position of, you know, management. Um, the land-based side of our business is completely different from the, water-based side, the guides mm-hmm. often have no idea 
They're gone by 9.30 in the morning. They have no idea all the crazy shit that goes on in the land yeah. while they're gone. Whether it be housekeepers fighting, whether it be some guest doing some crazy thing the night before, whether it be all the, you know, fires, which we just Yeah, I just I was about to say, when I talked to you to ask you to come on here, you're like, yeah, but uh, I, there's just a cabin just burned down. <laughs> there is, I mean... I, I talked to my. I have a couple buddies I talked to that I went to college with in Minnesota, and I talked to them often, almost daily. And they're like, "You got to write a book." Yeah. I mean, you've got to. I mean, you should too, Mike. I mean, all the crazy stories of traveling, there, and where you can be a little more free with the tongue, a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, you know. And well, just... we can be pretty fucking free here too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, the stories of. Dude, and the crazy shit that happens in the party room. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff, um, and it's mostly awesome. Yeah. But there's shit, too. We burned out, you know, we burned an employee house down like five years ago with chicken coop packed next to it. Um, and the, the what caused that? The it was a chicken, chicken coop? Yeah, one yeah. of my employees, one of our employees had a chicken coop next to the employee house that we had, and, and somehow a chicken, we don't know if it just... Heat lamp? Or? A heat lamp, exactly. Yeah. It flopped up in there and lit up and by the t- by the time he realized what was going on he walked outside to see it and he ran back in it and it was everything's gone it it's almost it. like a catalyst for the seasonality of it all you know what i mean like when the other day you were like we're just trying to clean out the fucking cabin and the drapes got on the right well, so it I was mean, in the it was a dust bunny it was a dead mouse or something yeah some weird thing you know hospitality is essentially Crisis management on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, and you can either let it drive you crazy and become miserable about it, or you just chalk it up to let's how are we can solve this problem. Yeah, how are we going to figure this out and move past? We can't blame, we can't point fingers, we can't throw straws and punch holes in the wall. Um, so how are we going to let's get let's move past it? Let's figure this out. Yeah, how are we going to get this built? How are we going to who's going to do? You know, we you know you guys I'm sure yeah. you do the same thing. And, Back in the days of, you know, Worldcast, you know, somebody's leaving. Yeah, and I mean, you you were obviously rapidly successful. So, you I mean, you you brought all of this together, you get the job, and then by 2014, you're the Orvis Endorsed Lodge of the Year. Yeah, a couple things became apparent to me right away. We, we know one was, you know, I had seen how the operation was being run, and no disrespect to my predecessor. He was a wonderful man. I appreciate him so much. But, you know, he was not a businessman. And I saw, you know, for the lack of a better term, low-hanging fruit everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's a good place to sit, be, Yeah. Right? I mean, it, was <laughs> it would like, be suck oh, if you got in there and, like, this place is dialed. And totally. Money. No, no. It was, <laughs> it was a quick, quick, easy cleanup. And I kind of said, figured myself, the best way to get the most exposure, the fastest, is to be in bed with Orvis. Mm-hmm. They have such a megaphone with exposure and their stuff. And so I did. I started calling them. I invited them all there. I said, you, I don't care if the, the janitor at the at the place in Manchester wants to come out, please send him out with his wife for a complimentary stay. Yeah. You know, we want, I want to be a part of your yeah, but world. See, all that shit's so smart. Maybe. It, it is. Common no, sense it is. To me. I mean, it, well, yeah, it, it, yeah. well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's but just nobody done it. Maybe yeah. nobody's done it prior to that. Yeah. You know, for 20 years, that place sucked wind, and those guys were contributing hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep that thing floating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget Marshall just says, please, just, please just get it to break even, please. Yeah, stop the bleeding. <laughs> yeah, stop the bleeding. And I said, okay, we can do that. We can do that. Yeah. Well, it was, it's been a fun journey for sure. Has the, um, has the seasonality of it, because I, I got to tell you, like, that's one thing that I, 
I don't miss right now. I'm only a year removed or not even that, but you know, from being in the, cause right now, I mean, as you just said, right, you're opening up tomorrow. <laughs> so it's kind of like, here we go. Yeah. No. Um, I, I love the seasonality, you know, in November I get to show up at my house 24 hours a day, seven days a week in my underwear, micromanaging my wife. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It's the worst. Yeah. It, I got to be honest with you, dude. I mean, I've thought numerous times of I got to do something else. I can't because it, all of a sudden one day it ends. Yeah. All of a sudden the last guest checks out on October 27th. We can clean that place up in three days. Hi, honey. Yeah. And I'm back home and I don't know what to do with myself. It's a strange roller coaster. Everybody thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. You're so lucky to do it, but... It's challenges. You're right. It is one. Yeah, it's hard to go from like, you know, just warp speed to regular speed. Yep. Which is doesn't sound hard, but you know, as it, someone that can relate, you know, you, you're like, what am I doing with myself? And it's like, well, just chill out. But you, but it's hard to because yep. your mind has been. Absolutely, I've know. got you know 25 land based employees communicating, getting them to the lodge, getting yes, the wheels spin. Uh, yeah. Hard, large guide staff, boats on the water, food, food I mean, yeah, housekeeping, yeah. the retail, and now we just had the brilliant idea to open a second fly shop, which you know is a tough has been a hard pill for me to swallow because retail is my my weak spot. Yeah, but there's an opportunity. There's there. an opportunity. Yeah, there. yeah it's gonna go. You you'll f- you'll figure that out for sure. Or you probably already have. But working on it. You know, a lot yeah. of it's staffing, right? A lot of it's just yeah. finding the right people. To it's assist. crazy to me. Um, you know, you, you for years, myself as well, you drive around Swan Valley, Idaho, and you're like, God damn, this place is gorgeous if it only had a gas station. I mean, sorry, if it only had a grocery store. Totally. And then, yeah. It's like it changed. It's like it just went overnight. It's been discovered for sure. You know, here's what I tell and I, I run with a, I run with a bunch of local boys from Swan Valley. On mm-hmm. Thursday nights, we play darts every Thursday night. have for 15 years. That's awesome. It is great. And you want to talk about deers in the headlights? Deer in the headlights. These poor guys. I mean, they they used to ride their horses up and down Main Street in Victor. They used yeah. to shoot gun, you know, run around and shoot guns as kids and stuff like that. And the change that they've seen. But you know, here's here's and I, and I I'm sure this is a rosy outsider's outlook. Progress. I tell these guys. I'm telling them my friends, and my peers in Swan Valley too, who are kind of crushed by the whole thing. If you don't own a lot of land in Teton or, or Swan Valley, what are your kids going to do when they grow up? At least with this growth, and, and, and indeed, some of these guys that I run with, their kids have had to leave. Yeah. They just couldn't make a living in Teton Valley. Now there's opportunities. There's, yeah. You know what I mean? Now Absolutely. there's a chance that maybe your kids can stay here and work. And, you know, in Swan Valley, like I, I'm singing the song of opportunity to everybody. All these second homeowners that are coming in over there, they're going to need somebody to mow their lawn, wash their windows, cater for them. There's opportunities. You know, I'm telling some of these, my older guides too, like you guys, I know I can smell the crustiness in you. Sure. Think about, you know, if you're ready, I'll help you take that next step. I'll help you start that business. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's happening. And, and if you complain about it, what, what's that going to do? You're not going to stop it. So you got it, bro. You know what I mean? Like gonna be by us being miserable, you that person being miserable, yeah. you're just fighting yourself. 
get on the train and ride it. You know, yeah. seek out how it can benefit you. Yeah. And it is what it is. What do you benefit that too about yourself? Because of, like I said in the intro, you definitely radiate positivity. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you do. I mean, I bet you could ask 10 people that know you and they'd be like, he's just, always, you know, yeah. he's always positive and smiling. And even, and I, and I know at times you're like, fuck sure. this, but you're yeah. still like, is it that military kind of, you know, as long as your, your breast brass is clean and, and you're, you know, we like that kind of, we got to play the game, yeah. to beat the game kind of thing. You know, I don't know. You, people have mentioned this to me, what you're talking about. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Was, oh yeah, yeah. No, you know, the guests that come to the lodge, you know, fortunately even some of my staff, they've, they've seen the dark side too, when things go wrong and you know, the, 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 the things go down the hole. It's a short period of time. I don't, and I've thought about this, you know, I, I figured you'd ask me, I don't know. Listen, we, we all wake up every day and I'm not saying that I'm, I am, I am, you know, um, some sort of yogi, but we get to decide. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get to decide. Are you going to, absolutely. Are you going to be a B part of that answer is in our world, you're in our world of, you know, your former world of, of hospitality, guiding, outfitting. We, and I explain this to my staff, and we call them quantum moments, mm-hmm. all right? We have the ability, all of us at that, on that property, on any given day, and frankly, all of us in the community, in the neighborhood, we have an opportunity when we meet new people to our area to make a positive impression. Yeah. I know one thing, and I haven't traveled around the world, uh, certainly a fraction as much as you have, but I know... The little when I travel, when I get to wherever I'm going, I just want somebody to look at me and say, "Hi, Justin. Welcome. Are yeah. you hungry? Are you thirsty? You've, you're at the right place. We've been waiting for you. Welcome. It's great to have you." With a big smile, absolutely. And within one second, they shed the anxiety of travel. They shed the anxiety of going to new. A lot of it gets shed right there, and we become the person the contact person. And, and, and this happens, I, I encourage, uh, nobody will ever get in trouble at, at the lodge for talking to one of our guests because maybe for for one sentence, there'll be some connection. Yeah. And that guest will be like, I just met the coolest housekeeper or the most amazing fishing guide. If this place is, and it translates to their whole experience, right? Yeah. And we have a throttle on that. I think if if you can be positive and emit positivity, I don't know, bro. It comes back. Yeah. I, don't, I can't put it in a linear, straight line for you, but it's worked so far, and it's so much easier than being pissed and yeah. kicking rocks. And you need to and, bottle that and sprinkle it on the world right now. I wish. I yeah. wish there was a. Uh, and that's the truth too. I mean, yeah. talk about you know we talk we talk about it amongst ourselves. Like everybody. Everybody is tense right now Come, coming out of COVID and the political climate. You can start a fight with somebody that is in your family or a friend or a complete stranger in two sentences. Yeah. Whether you, you know, making some political comment, you can piss off. You can, you know what I mean? You yeah. Can, no, it's it, everyone's on edge. Everybody's has this yeah. underlying t- and this COVID thing that just, we just kind of got through. Yeah. Dude, that was gnarly. It was uh, gnarly. That was so gnarly. It was. It was I remember wild. the, yeah, we almost, you know, we were talking about shutting the lodge down. Yeah. Say, you know, yeah. remember, we, you know, I called you guys and said, what the 
fuck are you going to do? <laughs> are you going to start taking everybody's temp? And are we going to really? Yeah. What are we going to do? But here's what I here's what no I said. No playbook either, right? There was no playbook. Yeah. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, wait a second. You know, they were starting, shit was closing down. They were talking about closing state borders down. And I was like, wait a second. We're in the hosp- We're in the travel hospitality business. They say they say prostitution is the oldest job, yeah. the oldest profession. I say fuck no. How they had to fuck them in a hotel. Hospitality <laughs> is the oldest. Those prostitutes had to go somewhere to do their business. Heads on beds. Heads on beds. We've been doing this through nuclear wars, bombs, through all sorts of crazy geopolitical things. People will still need to travel, spend the night in the bed, and eat somewhere. Yeah. That's a fundamental part of the human existence. So, And I, I fought it. That we, there's no way we're going to close down. We have to adapt to our guests' needs, Yeah, what they're concerned about. Yeah. We well, that. it's been... Uh... I just, I think it's really cool just to hear like the, the behind the scenes before you even got there and then watching it. I mean, you've done an amazing job. Oh, there. Mike, thank you. Thank um, you very much. And let's touch on the, um, the South Fork initiative real quick oh, too, yeah, because yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. I, I love the fact that, and you might have to, you might have to kind of, you know, jar my memory a little bit, but I think that you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You and I spoke about this. And then it kind of died for a while because we were like, someone's got to take this over. And I think we were contemplating it. Well, Mike, you know, if you kind of harken back to those days, like, like in our industry, it was all us young men. Yeah. Me, you, Randy Berry, um, uh, the guys over at South Fork, you know, we were, uh, Zach Payton, I think was kind of, we were all these young men and we were trying to amongst ourselves, figure out a way that we could all get together and put our heads together in a room. Yeah. Even though we were competitors, even though we were competitors, like, like help a resource. Yes. That was the goal. But I tend to think, and I I would understand if you don't see it this way, but maybe I'll speak, phrase it differently. From my perspective, I was this young competitive guy and you guys were my enemies. Yeah. And that's not true. Not enemies. But Mike, the better word would be competitors. Yeah. Why would I want to sit and do, you know, what could come of this other than, you know, me trying not to show my whole deck. Totally. My, my hand, right? Yeah. And I think that was part. And then you had, you know, Lawson up there and Sean. We were all these. Lovely, and there was and Lonnie Allen. Lonnie Allen. She, yeah. was the, she was the mama of the group. Yeah. She was the only one, if I recall, that could get us all to sit in a room. We couldn't do it. And then, and then we sat there in Ham and Hod, Mike, and then you were the one that said, what if we started looking at the HFF model and tried to, you know, do something co-branding with, co, not branding, but co, co with them? The but I think, but then I think we let it die and then it yeah. came around again and it was like, we're not doing this. Right. Um, let's get, uh, let's just get them to do it. <laughs> In, in in a nutshell, that's it. Yeah, yeah. right. And Ron Miller kind of came to the came. Yeah, to the that was what Ron definitely sparked it up. I yeah. remember when he came in the shop, and then um, wise too, an outsider that wanted to do it instead of you and I. And oh, not Mike calling. You know what I mean? Yeah, not Randy or Brian calling me again. But I think that was it, that was serendipitous too. That worked out. Yeah, and I didn't get through. the. Um, I didn't get the opportunity to see. I've been terrible about attendance, but even though I, I, I still do my, I feel like I do my part oh, on the absolutely. board, but um, yeah, I'm just awful with attendance. But what your keynote speech in 2019 
What was, um, how would you summarize that for the, the listeners? And, and, and for everyone listening, right, this is a conservation initiative that a bunch of like-minded outfitters put together for the South Fork of the Snake, South Fork of the Snake, a resource that had no representation in the conservation world and the HFF, Henry's Fork Foundation brought kind of the science based collaboration, yada, yada, yada. Now it's up and going. Justin was the keynote speaker. And, and how would you, how would you uh, summarize that speech? How would you summarize that? Well, I didn't speech? get to see it. That's why oh, I'm you asking. Didn't? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was another, you know, that was again when the whole Zoom thing started in video conferencing, which I wasn't so. Oh, it was on with. Zoom. Yep. Okay. Yep, I was not. Yep, that's right. It was on Zoom. Yeah, I did it at Shane Fleming's house at his bar. Okay, that's right, that's cool. Right, right. I did, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, no, that was, uh, you know, I, I talk about this uh, often with our people to remind them, like, what's happening to them. Um, and I know this happens in other sports, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand and probably spoken these words many times yourselves. Um, the therapy of what we do on the river of a, of a day in a drift boat with a fishing guide goes oftentimes much deeper in the human experience than people realize when they're experiencing it. And when they get home, they realize um, when you're floating down the canyon, for example, of the South Fork of the Snake River, there is no more better Zen experience, in my opinion. When a guide is visiting with you and coaching you on how to cast, where to cast, and you're thinking about this next cast and the rock coming up, and you want to get that cast right in front of the rock, right where the guide said, and then twitch it just like he or she said, and then you want to do this, and then nothing happened, and you go by that rock, and you try to cast back, and then the guide says, you know what, let that go. Yeah. Let's look at this twig up in front of us. So you let that go. It's a lot like life, right? So yeah. we can't see. Like, I always say You that. can't go or see around the corner of the river. Like, you can't see what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Yeah. You can only be in that drift boat and living in the now. Yeah. And, you know, I turn my phone off and it is like, I'm fucking not kidding you. You know this. It's medical to be out of touch and to be focusing on what the person's saying amidst this incredible beauty. Yeah. On a moving body of water that you have very little control of and... Just like in life, when you miss a target of something, a, a, a whatever it is, a financial goal in your business, whatever it is, you got to let it go yeah. and look forward. Sure. And there's memory. a lot of, right, there's a lot of similarities to our experience of life. And I know we do therapy with people unbeknownst to them, especially these high net worth people that live these oftentimes very stressful lives managing these things. And for a few minutes... Or a few hours, they can come out west and do this thing, unplug for a few minutes. That's why we have no TVs or, or uh, telephones in our cabins. It's medical. Yeah. It is a medical experience. And oftentimes, like I say, you know all this. You get home, these people get back home to their, wherever it is, not here. Urban, oftentimes urban, uh, let me see. Wow, I got to do that again. Yeah. Fuck, that was cool. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the fish. They, they, I right. mean, they don't, I mean, Thoreau said that. Right. True. I mean, you know, many men fish their whole lives without realizing it's not the fish they're after. Um, So true. Yeah. And a couple, I'm so glad I asked you that question because that's, um, I look at it as well as you do. It sounds like, like fly fishing, whether salt, fresh, 
wherever you are, is life and fast forward. Period. I think the thing that people like that they really grab onto yeah. is exactly what you just explained, and I would summarize it as they're forced it's forced meditation. I love it. Yes. That, that they don't that it's not imposed on them in any other Bro, that is hitting the nail on the fucking head. Right? Like yep. they, they have to just nothing is if if they're if they're abiding by what is being told to them, if you want to be successful in this situation, listen to your guide mm-hmm. and they get in the moment and they listen to them, nothing will penetrate their head but what's going on at that moment. What a relief. Yeah. What a relief to those people. And I know it's great from a guiding perspective too when you're jiving with somebody and they're picking up what you're putting down and yeah. their muscle movements. Because, right, guiding is, an, guiding is a person using words to get a physical motion out of a person. It's really hard. When I really tell you to, hard. you know, raise your head over your, you know, keep your elbow close to your chest or whatever. Well, some people pin it to their chest. Some people, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, and I, I tell my, tell my guys all the time, you know, if it's not working, think for a second, use different words. Yeah. You know, just use different words and try explaining another thing, always being cool. And you know, the other part, we, we don't overcoach too. Try to, yeah. you know, you got to, you know, at fundamentally, Mike, what I learned a long time ago from my wonderful father was, and the key to a lot of what, what we've talked about today is you got to get these people to come back. Yeah. You got to get them to come, whether it's a restaurant or a lodge or an outfitter. The key is you got to get them to come. And I see people fucking that up all the time. Yeah. Shitty restaurants, shitty service, crappy food. No care, you know, no smile, no looking in no the eye. smile. That's it's a, really yeah. fun. To, it's really simple. Shit, fake it, yeah. you know, smile and look at them and get them to come back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's magical too. When, when you see that I got, I've gotten to witness it a bunch of times recently where I'm just in the back of a boat or sitting down on a skiff and I get to watch what you're explaining. Like, the guide or the captain using the words to create the movements in the angler. And when you see that at a very high level, that's also magical. It really, it really, really is. And it happens quickly. It happens in a couple sentences. And then oftentimes once that, again, I call it a quantum moment. Um, Once this moment happens where this person is at ease, at comfort, they get confident like, oh, fuck, I can, I just caught one because I listened to what they said. Let's do that again. Yeah. We're not going in until tonight. The sun goes down, right? This is a trip till, you know, they get fired up and the, yeah. you know, the, 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 you know, proverbial hook is set. Yeah. That's what we're going for all the time at the lodge. We're yeah. trying to set that hook with people and it doesn't always happen in the boat. Sometimes it happens at dinner. Sometimes it happens at cocktails before. Sometimes it happens after dinner. In yeah. Our, sometimes in our it happens fighter. at therapy hour after a rough day, you know? It does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, um, yeah, it's just cool to look back on the South Fork Initiative now. Yeah, no, and this was a, this was a good thing. Yeah, that this was a very good thing. Um, you know, I don't. It's up to you if you want to, you know, broach the subject of the rainbow thing. I think this initiative is doing a great job handling this issue. Yeah. with our rainbow trout, and you know, they're not spearheading it by all means. The fact what the South Fork Initiative does, dude, that is undeniable, is science based data. Yeah. 
Exactly. It's not opinions. It's not swing. It's here's what the river's doing. Here's what our insects are doing. Here's what the, you know, the region's doing. Here's what we've learned from the Henry's Fork, you know, the North Fork of the Snake. Here's what we could apply on the South Fork of the Snake. Here's how we communicate with agriculture. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, the whole Henry's Fork Foundation is very impressive. You, can, you understand why many rivers in the West are begging them to come and represent and do the same thing uh, that there. we did. <laughs> that, yeah, 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 we got lucky enough to do. Yeah. Um, well, we'll we'll probably broach that the next time I sure. get you to come back. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. rainbow thing because we could uh, we could talk about that. It's, for... a, it's a big, long, complex, multifaceted issue. Yeah, and, and you know, at the end of the day, I don't have a lot of answers. Um, I'm looking at the data. I'm trying yeah, to look and for at, everyone listening out there, we're talking yeah. about um, re- the removal of rainbow trout in the South Fork of the Snake River. Um, but we won't even. Yeah, let's not. That's, that's yeah. a big can. And I but only the um, the South Fork initiatives, the gala this year is at the yep. lodge at Palisades. Sure Creek. is. Yep. July twenty third. Twenty third or twenty fourth. Twenty third, I believe. Twenty third. Saturday. Yeah, so uh, if you're listening and you're in the area, get some uh, get some tickets and help our uh, initiative, right? Absolutely. There are some amazing prizes. There's always, like, I'm always blown away at the gifts and the silent auction items, and there's not that many people there. you got a great chance of coming to a, an event like that, supporting it with a little financial something, and you could get a huge something back, a great trip. But it's going to the right things. We are increasing the cutthroat trout population, the Yellowstone cutthroat trout population, below the river. They've got a bunch of awesome projects. Yeah, we got to get. I mean, I don't think half the people in Jackson that fish that area even really know we exist in that front. But yeah, we got to get the word out. We do. We got to get the word out. They're you know they're Idaho. They're I think they're, they're we we could help them with that, right? Yeah, we could absolutely. help them come over the bump and. Uh, get some exposure here <laughs> because awesome. because uh they're doing good things they're doing yeah. the right thing and it's it's representation that we all i know all of us outfitters agree yeah. and especially solid. with right all of the new kind of impacts on resources that wow we're seeing yeah. so yeah this is gonna be it'll be cool to see what happens here you know it's still amazing to me how yeah. many fish that fucking river puts out every it's, year yeah, yeah. All, all of the fisheries around here are just i mean Anybody that's complaining, I mean, last year, when everyone, you know, there's a lot of complaining and it was like, I, I've never been so alone fishing, to be honest. And yes, I'm fishing a lot of like new weird stuff. Um, but, you know, there's nothing to complain about. Hey, I want to invite you to the main snake fishing with me. I would love to. Would you, Mike? Yes. Would, would, would you go down awesome. below, oh, below yeah. the Pocatello area? Yeah, there I mean, I've, I've poked around, but you would, uh, I would oh, love to love yeah. to see what you got to show me. Oh, there's some, we, we are just, we're starting to break into some new cool opportunities down there. Let's do it, man. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough. Seriously. I know, uh, you're, you're a busy man and, um, tomorrow the lodge is opening <laughs> and here you are. And I really do appreciate your time. Mike, this was a great time to sit down and get to know you a little better, visit with you. I'm flattered that uh, you asked me to be here. I hope your listeners enjoyed it. I, I think uh, I think some I think it's really cool, like what you and I talked about, man. Like, you know, if if you're if you I mean, there's nothing wrong with if you want to. I, I think it's awesome that if yeah. you want to be a guide, and you know that's your whole. But if you don't. Um, and you want to know some steps, I think your story is going to be inspirational to people. I really do, man. You, I hope you so. put together, 
yeah, it's really cool. Thanks, bro. Yeah, thank it's you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, to connect with Justin, head on over to the Lodge at Palisade, Palisades Creek website, tlapc.com, and we might as well put a plug in for the South Fork Initiative. Head on over to henrysfork.org. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Permit to Think. My hope is this podcast offers meaningful conversations and stories from the fringe of societal norms. Be sure to subscribe and support the podcast by leaving a review, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you're using. For more information, head on over to the website, permittothink.com, and forward this to anyone you know who might dig it. I am out. Yeah. Thanks, right. dude. You betcha. That was awesome. Was it good? Think yeah, it'll be, man. It'll be okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's cool shit. I didn't know how.